Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Dan Kaplan. He's the CTO of Five to Nine. We talk about what he's looking for when he's hired for software engineers at his growing startup. I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Uh, thanks so much for, for being here, Dan. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess today is Dan Kaplan, the CTO of Five to Nine. Uh, Dan is a longtime Chicago-based software engineer, lead engineer, um, and then uh, recently I moved to Colorado. So uh, anything I missed there? No, that's perfect. Still a massive Chicago sports fan, diehard Bulls fan especially. There we go. Hopefully they have a good season this year, right? Yeah, we retool the roster and move front office. Super excited. That's great. Uh, well, can you share a little bit about Five to Nine, kind of um, what the company does and what, what your your role in particular looks like? Yeah, sure. So let me start with Five to Nine. Um, so really what we are is for companies kind of 200 employees and up, and we're really a platform to kind of host your workplace programs and events. Mm. Um, so really kind of the use case here, Usually we'll kind of start with what we're called like employer resource groups or ERG groups. So like kind of uh, your diversity, inclusion, your women at work, your, you know, what, what have you, your ERGs. And our platform is really for the organizers to come on, collaborate, make it easy for them to create events, make it easy for them to reach attendees. And then more importantly, kind of really dive deeper into analytics. Um, so what our company found is kind of less than 10% of companies are kind of measuring their workplace events and programs. So you think about that, that doesn't really make any sense, right? All these companies have tons of analytics, tons of data around their actual core product, but then around their extra company, they have little, very little. So really our platform really allows you to kind of, you know, we'll connect into your HR system, give you those deep in analytics, let you know who is uh, attending your programs, but also kind of have mechanisms built within our program built within our platform to make it easier for these organizers to understand, get feedback on their events, give them a little bit more standardization and make it kind of easier for them to get their events better and better. Nice. And then I also want to really want to talk about a little bit for why we kind of exist. So our founder kind of Jasmine Shells, she was at a very large company and had this like trouble, like belonging there. So what she did is kind of at that, pro, at that company, kind of reach out to these ERGs, kind of find her true self at these ERGs, kind of get that more connection to work, connection to her job, and connection ultimately to herself, right? So really that's where the five to nine name comes from. You know, you have this nine to five life, you have this five to nine life. We're trying to blend those lives together, mm. try and have you be your best self, kind of come with kind of your best attitude, your best you know, you best everything to your company. And we feel like when companies do that, they allow their employees to engage in their passions, their interests, you know, they become more committed to their job and they kind of get better employees through that. Yeah. I love it. That, that's awesome. I, I, I've heard a lot of people that do internal talks at their companies, especially larger companies mention like, I enjoy giving these talks, but I don't really know does it do anything. Right. Like once in a while, like the only way they really hear is, you know, they, 
three, six months later, they hear someone saying like, oh, we're doing that thing that you, you brought up in that talk, right? And then that's the only way they know, right? So it's, it's um, it, that space makes a lot of sense. And I think something, especially if only 10% of companies are doing it, that that's a crazy statistic. Yeah, and it's also these larger companies will have multiple ERGs and like one ERG leader will be doing something, one ERG will be doing something else. And so our platform will like integrate into your Google Calendar, your Zoom, your Slack, make it easy, kind of have create a lot you know, work with the company, create a standardized way to kind of reach out to your employees, your attendees to these events, really make sure you're kind of getting the attendees to your events and then kind of, again, creating that feedback loop to make your programs better and better. Nice. And can you share a little bit about the tech stack at the company? Uh, sure. Uh, so we are back into kind of Ruby on Rails API. Our front end is uh, kind of a React front end. Um, we kind of use a Postgres database and then we're hosted in AWS. Nice. Cool. And, and how big is the, the team right now for engineering? Uh, sure. For engineering, it's uh, myself as the CTO. We have two other engineers. Um, we have a product designer. And then currently we're hiring for a full-time kind of senior, more back-end engineer, and then also hiring for kind of a product manager as well. Nice. Cool. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Dan's hiring. Yeah, I just gave some interviews last week. Have some more lined up this week, but yeah, definitely reach out. Nice. Um, can you share a little bit about your pathway into to tech? Um, traditional, non-traditional, a mixture of both, or how'd you kind of get into technology in the first place? Yeah, sure. So pretty non-traditional for me. Um, grew up in the north side of Chicago. Was really into like business. Did a bunch of like case competitions. Went to the University of Wisconsin. Was like a double major in economics communication arts, briefly worked in like business development and sales out of college, quickly realized like not the career for me. Um, so I did one of the kind of the first boot camps, kind of in Chicago. Um, at the time I was like super into startups, I actually kind of went to a kind of a startup weekend event in Chicago. While I was there, this person on my team, he kind of was in the midst of this coding boot camp. One of the judges, Neil Sales uh, Griffin was like the one of the judges there. So I got to meet him. He was the founder of this bootcamp. Um, got to like sit in on a class. This was like before the time boot camps were really large. Ours was like much more holistic. Um, so I ended up just kind of like quitting my job doing this bootcamp. Uh, I was kind of a three month one, really focused on Ruby on Rails. Uh, for me, kind of, you know, I went into it and knew, knew nothing about software engineering, like nothing at all. Barely knew HTML or CSS. Hadn't even heard the words Ruby on Rails. Um, but the bootcamp really just like encouraged us to like build just like side projects, essentially. Mm. Um, nowadays, like the bootcamp is kind of a more stringent uh, kind of criteria curriculum, which I think is really good. It really helps like reinforce the fundamentals where ours was kind of like, you know, we were given like lessons and kind of then it was just like go build stuff. Um, so I ended up just building a bunch of side projects. And that's what really kind of helped me get my foot in the door. So I, I remember I built this like one project that I called the high five project. It was just like a website, like dedicated to high fives. So I, like on it, like I had like the history of the high five. <laughs> I had to wait for you to like submit, like, you know, like a really basic, like stupid form or you like submit your like high five experiences or whatever, whatever. Like one of the, my first job was working at this company called G2 crowd. Um, at the time they were a super early startup. Um, so 
the hiring manager there like saw this project and like thought it was kind of funky and kind of funny. So they kind of brought me in. The, luckily, they gave me an opportunity. Nice. I I have talked about for the last few years where there's a wave and and especially in Chicago where you know Dev Boot Camp was early and some of these other um, fairly early kind of modern boot camps of folks who went to those first couple cohorts are now in manager, director, mm-hmm. VP, CTO level roles, right? And it really is changing the way that people are hiring. Because I'm sure you look at a, a bootcamp graduate and you're thinking totally different from someone who's a traditional, you know, computer science background and has never hired some out of a bootcamp before, right? Because you know that it, it works and people go through that process, right? So it's kind of interesting how, how that has led to kind of opening up um, the doors for uh, one diversity, but two just just more people getting into technology, right? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, people in that boot camp are now sort of what you said: engineering managers, staff engineers. Some are like co-founders of their own companies, CEOs. Um, so it's like I would definitely agree with that. Like when I was going through the process, there was definitely like a stigma, and you kind of like had to find the right company. Uh, for me, I kind of went around that by kind of going more startup route, which was what I was interested in. So it kind of worked out, but kind of like work on that relationship building, let them know who I was, um, as opposed to kind of a larger thing that's more of like a strict fundamental process that's a little bit biased towards these CS graduates, I would say. Um, but yeah, especially now, I think, you know, we're going to speak a lot about technical inter- interviewing, but I think it's a lot more holistic now, which I think yeah. is really good as opposed to kind of back in the day. Yeah. And and you touched on it a little bit, but um the first job was at G two crowd, which is Chicago based. Now now they're pretty large, right? But they're probably pretty small when you initially joined them. Yeah, I was one of the first employees there. Um at the time it was really just me and the co founder. So it was really an awesome role. I got to work super closely with the CTO there, Mike Wheeler. So it was an incredible role for me. A as a junior engineer going to a small code base, getting to like, you know, that that kind of allowed me to kind of get a full grasp on it um they gave me like real work there and it really kind of was a great launching pad for my career a truly like awesome company the culture there was phenomenal um honestly like i just kind of like after a few years i was just kind of like ready for something larger but honestly looking back on it, i feel like especially seeing where they are now i'm not sure it was totally the right decision <laughs> I, I think right. like the, the culture in that company was really amazing and it was like really my first one engineer and i didn't like totally realize that as much as i do now Sure. There's this perspective gate once you see other companies, right? And how, yeah, how other exactly. companies operate. And you said you landed that first job through basically you would connect with the CTO and they saw that project or how how do you get kind of introduced to them? No. So um, for my resume, right? Like I didn't really have any, uh, like any real experience, right? So I had like my boot camp and kind of like my bullet points there were kind of the boot camp experience, mm-hmm. um, but to kind of like fill the gaps in my resume, I kind of had like that first job I had out of college or whatever, but then like to kind of fill those gaps, I put in like my side projects and I put like links to the side projects, use the tools I built, use like kind of just like spoke a little about the problems I solved. Um, so I think they like at the time I was just like in that role, like mass applying everywhere. Right. Um, you know, as you get like more advanced in your career, you have people like reach out to you, but like when you're a junior, you gotta be really scrappy, have to have that hustle. Um, so I just kind of applied to everything everywhere. Um, I think like what really worked out for me, ironically with that role, I think they found me through career builder, honestly, uh, which is kind of like one of the least likely places to find sure. it, I would say. Um, but I think like on my resume, I still had like my home address on there. 
And the company was just how they were like based in the suburbs of Chicago. And that was like, so I think like they were having trouble people like coming out to the suburbs. Mm. And for me, it was kind of like a little bit easier. So I think that helped me maybe get my squeak by a little bit. Nice. I, I often see hiring is a game of inches sometimes, right? If you just a little, it makes a little bit more sense to go with you versus someone else and, you know, shorter commute, maybe you're willing to stay in the office a little longer. <laughs> that checks the box. Yeah, but, I mean, that's like so we're just talking about with the holistic part right, right now. I think, I, honestly, I really see that is where people are going, right? They want to, you know, everyone really understands that you're like, a, you're going to be working with people ideally for a long time. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them. So, when people say fit, like, I don't think they like say that to say that, right. They're truly looking for a fit. Right. So I think it's, you know, all the pieces have to add up, but I think that's, a, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of luck involved in that fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and how'd you um, end up in this role now with, with five to nine? Uh, sure. So previous this, uh, role, I was kind of working as like a senior engineer, this company called publicist media. Um, and was just kind of looking for a role with more leadership. And honestly, Jasmine kind of reached out to me on LinkedIn. We had a cup of coffee and just kind of continued to have some conversations about the company, where they were at, what they were looking for. And then just kind of, you know, as we kind of continued having conversations, just kind of went through the interview process, got to meet the rest of the team. And then uh, for me, I was kind of, uh, one of my previous companies, I kind of was like involved in this like ERG group a little bit. Um, so really kind of understood the problem, it kind of hit home for me and really saw the need for the platform. So that kind of got me the initial excitement of just hearing more about her, more about the team, seeing how impressive they were, seeing, I think that we were kind of like poised for growth that I could really make a difference in that was super exciting. Nice. Um, for, for people who don't know, I, I realized you said it a couple of times, ERG, can you just explain what that is briefly? Uh, sure. So it's what's called like an employer resource group. Um, so you know, um, I would say like the most common ones are kind of these diversity inclusion ones. Um, sometimes in like the software engineering tech worlds, you're held disguised as like guilds, right? So you have mm -hmm. like a back end guild or like a front end guild, but really they're just like ways for employees to connect in like a formalized way, you know, usually given some company time to kind of, you know, pursue these interests that are very like aligned with the company's goals, the company's values. Um, so they're kind of pursuing programs and like events that are kind of like helping to just to like reinforce that company experience and kind of elevate it. Yeah. Great. Cool. And you said you're, you're doing technical interviews currently for, for your team. Uh, yes. Great. Um, I guess, what are you typically evaluating for, um, when someone comes to, to meet with you for, for five to nine? Uh, sure. So our interview process is kind of multi-step. The technical is really just one step in that process. The first step is really just an intro call. Let us tell uh, uh, you about us. Let you tell yourself about, you know, yourself. And uh, just kind of, you know, see if there's like a mutual fit. We're kind of looking for the same things. The next step is that technical interview. Uh, for this role, we're kind of looking for a senior type of lead candidate and kind of our and kind of back inside. So really someone who really understands Ruby on Rails. Um, so the problem is kind of, you know, what I like to do is kind of send out this repo in advance. Um, it has like a tutorial and like how it got to where it got to. And then I kind of present a feature for them to build. Hmm. Um, so really in this technical interview, really just kind of seeing where they take it. It's really much more holistic than I think people realize, but, um, 
it's really what I'm trying to understand the technical is really your baseline of skills. Um, for the rest of the interview, this is really the only time where you're going to be coding, doing a technical challenge. Everything is kind of more behavioral, more cultural. So really just kind of want to see where you're at, where your head's at, how you kind of go about developing a feature, the types of questions you ask, you know, what you're looking out for, you know, some of your basic Ruby Rails skills, just to, you know, make sure that, you know, really when you get into this role, you'll be able to excel, you won't be overwhelmed, and you can really achieve great things. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it is a little bit holistic, but I am kind of looking for specific things and more, but they're kind of more like higher level, like how you kind of, you know, approach things, you know, some of like those smaller level syntax things, you know, in an interview, everyone's a little bit nervous, everyone's going to struggle a little bit, you know, that stuff I'm like less concerned about. It's more like, are you kind of thinking the right way? And then it's like, you know, then I know you'll be able to like get there when you kind of have your own time, of course. Yeah, I like the the kind of working on something together. So I think it more more closely models what it's like to actually work with someone, especially in a smaller company, right? If you're, I think pairing is the official word, right? But just like someone helping with something or you're both looking at something together, right? Like that's, that's more similar to what you'd actually be doing versus um, go solve this whiteboard problem, right? <laughs> just something you're probably never going to do internally, right? Yeah, exactly. So like in this interview, you're allowed to Google, you're allowed to use whatever resources you're there for. You know, for the senior lead, I'm not like going to give you super guidance, honestly, on like the solution to do where I might like kind of nudge a junior or lower level engineer more in the right direction. But I'm also there to like, if you like, you know, for me, sometimes you're in a technical interview and you just like forget, you know, a syntax and then all of a sudden you get super nervous. You're how it gets super like you're right. And everything starts you kind of like black out and you struggle. I'm really there just to like help you not get in there, try and stay relaxed, stay comfortable, keep you pushing ahead and not get you like, you know, run down over many things. Yeah. So you said phone call first, then a technical, if that goes well. And then is there some type of final after that? Yeah. So it's kind of two steps after that. The next will be kind of an hour long conversation with myself and kind of our lead front end engineer. And that's kind of more behavioral. We're getting more, into kind of going deeper into your past experience, learning what you kind of did there, again, what you're looking for in this role, you know, for the senior lead, kind of seeing your leadership team, you've any mentorship experience, kind of seeing the type of projects you've been working on. And the final one, you know, being a startup, you know, right now we have eight full-time employees. So you just kind of want to make sure you know everyone um, before you kind of just show up. So the last one's really just like kind of a short cultural, that's more, you know, just get to know you type of interview. Nice. Um, does it, does that process change? I mean, obviously if it's a, a whole different type of role, like a product, um, a background, obviously that's going to be a different interview process, but does that change across interviewers or, or is that pretty standardized? Uh, it's been pretty standardized for us kind of across, you know, whether it's been the junior, the senior, um, you know, we kind of split up that technical behavioral and the cultural is really just meeting not technical people. And again, just more of a gets to know you cultural interview. Yeah. But we're really just kind of, again, like with that process, we're just trying to understand the full you, the full range of your experience and the full, you know, honestly, trying to figure out your potential and kind of what you're looking for, right? You know, I'm a true believer that like, you know, there's tons of roles out there for software engineers, right? You really want to find the, the role that you're going to excel in. You know, you kind of see this in sports, right? Someone's on the wrong team, the wrong role, and they're not going to like perform their best, right? So really our interview process is really just trying to, 
you know, make sure again, kind of going back to fit, right? Like, are you the right fit for this role? And will you go in this role? You know, being in a startup company like us is very different than being in a company like Facebook, right? Um, so there's kind of different things we're going to look for than them. You know, with us, we're really looking for someone who's in, like wants to be an owner. True ownership will take like a lot of that kind of initiative in the company and in this role. So, you know, our process, the technicals really just can you, you know, you know, do it a little bit. And then the behavioral is kind of, you know, what do you, what do you really want to do? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I don't hear a lot of people mention that about um, the part of the, the cultural or behavioral interview is figuring out, is this something you want to do, right? Is this where your interest lies? Because that is, especially at smaller companies, is a huge piece of it, right? Because there's almost always someone out there, especially in engineering, who will pay you more to do the same thing, right? Or, or sometimes even less work, right? Um, so if you're not excited about the product, you're not excited and interested in what this role actually is, then it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just thinking about it. Like if you're, you know, think about it as yourself, right? When you're working, when you're like doing your hobbies, right? You're more excited. So you're just kind of giving more effort because of that you're more into it. So you really should find a company that kind of lines up with what you're looking for, what your goals are, that the culture is right. Cause then you'll just be more invested. You'll be more, you know, you'll be giving a little bit more. And when you do that, you're going to, you know, you're going to elevate yourself and then it's going to, you know, it's going to really be awesome in the long run. Yeah. Great. Hey, well, um, turn the table on you. Uh, how do you think of the past you've done at technical interviews? Um, so I think I've come a long way. I think when I was a young engineer, I really, really struggled with them. I think I've done a little bit better now. I still don't think I'm the greatest at it. Um, I really prefer like the take home ones are kind of the more, like I would say mostly language specific ones to kind of, um, uh, the more algorithmic type of ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's been a really mixed bag for me. I think they either go really well, really poorly, which is sometimes frustrating. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the, it, it's very frustrating when there's not consistency, right? We're like, Oh, that went, that went great. And then the next one just goes the absolute you know, opposite, right? Which can be frustrating. Like I thought I was good at this now. <laughs> right. Um, do you have any system in, that you use to break down interview questions? Say you're, you know, you're in an, in an interview and someone asks you a question and you go, Oh, okay. Well, I don't know how to immediately solve this. What do you do? Um, yeah. So this is an area where I think I've really improved upon. I think back in the day when I got into this situation where I didn't know where to move, I would, kind of like tense up and when I tense up I almost like stop speaking right my brain becomes really jumbled and I'm not very communicative Mm -hmm. um which is something I just had to get over to become more successful at these interviews um so I think whether I know what direction I'm going in or not I think in the beginning I'm just trying to spitball as many ideas as possible Mm -hmm. um and this would really be my first piece of advice when you get a a problem right you know I think a lot of the times, or at least a lot of my problems in the past was I was always trying to figure out like what that perfect solution was. Mm-hmm. So even sometimes I would have a solution in my head, but I would like discount it for whatever reason. So what I now try and do is just list as many possible ways as I can figure out where I could start, where I could try and solve this problem. You know, when you do that, sometimes the interviewer will help guide you. You know, sometimes the interviewer will ask you questions about like the trade-offs between each of those, right? You know, sometimes the solutions, honestly, that you come up with, you come up with a multiple, could be like, there might not be a difference between them, right? So you might just have to just choose and get forward. But now I really just try and, 
you know, A, try to come up with as many solutions as possible. And also B, before I even get to that solutions part, make sure I truly understand the problem. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, asking those questions right off the top, you know, also trying to, I think in the beginning with technical interviews, the types of questions I asked were almost just kind of repeating back the question to them. Um, so that wasn't very insightful. So now I kind of like try and do the step above that, ask questions that, you know, can give, you know, kind of force the interviewer to kind of, you know, get, ask, ask something that's more open-ended to try and get you a little bit, especially if you don't know where you're going, kind of get you a little bit of a cadence or a little bit of a direction, kind of see where they're trying to like lead you. See if you can like read between the lines a little bit. Yeah. Do you have specific examples of that? So one of the interviews I used to really struggle in was kind of more of these like design challenge ones. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in those, I think in my past with the design ones, you're kind of just trying to like architect a system, right? Yeah. I was trying to think like too much about the solution instead of, again, just like starting broad and especially with the design ones, it's like, you know, um, you know, they're, they're, the questions are so broad, you tend to get like a little description with them. You kind of yeah. want to break it down and it like kind of as you're asking those questions, they'll kind of like lead you in a little bit of a direction. Yeah. Um, anyone who's watched some of the technicals of this show that uh, are a little bit more design focused knows I, I also am not great at those interview that, that type of interview. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the route, right. Is like going, okay, well, here's some, 50,000 foot approach, right? And then let's try to focus on one area and see what progress I can make there, right? And then maybe zoom back out and try to focus on one area. But um, certainly, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. one other thing I would do, especially for some of those, and this also applies to coding ones, is like, before you do something, say what you're going to do. Mm, yeah. And then be like, and then almost like throw it back at the interview. Do you think that's a good approach? Right. And they'll be like, you know, like if they're like, yeah, then they'll, that's great. Keep going with it. You know, again, like most of the time, I would say like 95% of the time, the interview is like on your side and mm -hmm. trying to help you out. You will come across those interviews. So just say nothing to you. And those are horrific and terrifying. Most of the time, the interviewer wants you to succeed. They want you to kind of pursue the right direction. Um, so if you kind of like ask this question, hey, do you like I'm about to like you know build this model in this way? Do you think this is correct, right? And they'll be like, uh, maybe you should like reconsider that, or you know, they usually you can like kind of tell by their answer, you know, how and like the way they give it, like how confident you should be in that solution, or should you kind of like go back to square one here? Yeah, I think that that's great advice. Um, any other advice or tips for, for folks who are going into technical interviews or maybe, you know, just starting technical interviews? Uh, sure. So I think you like, everyone says it, but you have to practice, right? It's just mm -hmm. different. The other thing I would really recommend is trying to find a friend, find somebody who can give you like a live challenge because the toughest thing for me, especially in the beginning was, you know, most of the time when you're writing code, there's not somebody like judging you or looking like right at you during it. Right. Um, and that experience can just be really flustered. It's also like one thing that's always been really like kind of weird for me. It's like most of the time when, as an engineer, when I'm on the job, I feel like I work fast and faster than engineers, but for whatever reason, the time pressure just always is like in my head and kind of has me like a little tense again. Um, you know, I think like 
in my normal kind of day-to-day work, you know, you'll get a problem and I'll like marinate it on a little bit for like a few hours or a few days. And then it's like, when I'm ready to start working on it, it's like, I kind of already figured all these, but in an interview, right. You're seeing it most of the time for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you get a little tense. Um, So I would just try, you know, doing that kind of like those practice, those mock interviews with someone will just help you kind of, become comfortable being uncomfortable almost right become comfortable with these feelings and that way you know if you're not tense you'll just be able to think clearer and you'll perform better um also in the last few years honestly like 30 45 minutes before the interview i'll do like a five 10 minute meditation just to try and like relax my brain you know when i was like a junior engineer i would try and like you know, drink a red bull or like a coffee or something before and like again that would get me in that like tense jittery mood so now I'm trying to just kind of almost reverse that and try and be super relaxed. Yeah, I've seen folks go either way, doing jumping jacks before the interview, or they're like, I need to be alone, silent for, for 10 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's, again, like I think you have to find the system that works best for you. But really what you want to do in an interview is just try and bring your best self as much as possible, right? You're probably not going to be at 100% because it's just a unique and weird situation. And right. And just like, you know, most of the time, so what you're saying, you're not going to the whiteboard. You're not like coding under pressure. You're not like coding where like, you feel like, you know, your job is dependent on it. Um, so, you know, you're not coding with someone you don't usually have, a, you know, someone you never met. Um, so you just kind of have to, you know, try and become as comfortable as you can in those situations. And then again, like, you know, that's, what's tough about being a software engineer. It's a job that, really relies on like your mental acuity. So you Mm. need to be in a space where you can, you know, achieve the best of that. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, I believe, um, interviewing.io. It's like a a mock interview practice website. Um, I think they put this, this study out where basically after five interviews or five practice interviews, um, people's kind of success rate or pass rate drastically increased. It's like 50% or something like that. And I think a lot of people kind of know, know that intrinsically because often you interview with a couple of companies you're like, yeah, those didn't go so well. But then after you've done a couple of interviews, if you're, you know, actively job seeking, you go, Oh, they got a little bit easier. Right. And I think that's people are basically doing that on their own. They're just doing kind of a practice interview. They're doing a live interview, right. With, with some company and they just bomb the first couple, couple companies, right. Before they kind of get their, their legs under them. So it makes a lot of sense to do it beforehand and just, and maybe you don't have to do all five with, with a buddy, but the first two or three, right. At least like brush some of the dust off. If you're, you know, job searching after not doing it for a while is, is, um, super helpful. Yeah, so I think that website shows like two people conducting an interview. And nowadays you can like find these types of examples on YouTube. I like highly recommend watching those. For me, what also really kind of helped me kind of make strides in this was actually when I became on the other side and started giving Mm -hmm. interviews. And then you kind of realize that, you know, a lot of these interviews are 30 to an hour long. And when you're in an interview with 30 for an hour long, everyone is going to have that point where they're going to struggle at some point, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a very, very few interviews where everyone just kind of nails it right out of the park. So kind of having that experience of watching someone kind of struggling just for a little bit and kind of getting out of that for that, that gave me a lot of confidence. Cause then I was like, you know, I would like, you know, I, I think back in the day, I almost had this like defeatist attitude, right? 
I'd be like 20 minutes into an hour long interview. I'd be really struggling with something and I'd already be thinking about like the result. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. no way I'm moving on. This is just over already. Right. And then that attitude, when you're in that attitude, you're in that headspace is really difficult to come out of it. Right. So it's like, again, just kind of become comfortable that there's going to be a situation that, yeah, you're probably going to get asked me, you're going to come to some situation where you're going to struggle for a bit and being okay with that. Right. And again, I think that's like, that probably happens to a lot. Like it happens to you when you're on your job, right. You come to a situation and then like, you know, you send that Slack message or you, you know, you Google a little bit or you just like take a step back and then it's like, okay, now you're able to pursue forward. So just realizing that, that that's totally normal in an interview and that when you have that situation arise, don't like, you know, don't like quit, don't give up, don't think about the result. Just kind of like think about trying to get yourself back into that, you know, stick with that positive attitude so that you can come up with a way out. Yeah, absolutely. That I, I even made that connection mentally before of this happens in interviews, but this also happens in, in your job day to day. Cause like, this week I was, I mean, it was stupid. It was a bootstrap grid thing where I just couldn't get bootstrap to work. It was like 40 minutes of me. Like, I know how this works. This should be working. And it just wasn't. And I was just forgetting one thing, but it was 40 minutes of frustration. Right. And I, I, now that I'm thinking about that, it's almost exactly the same feeling that I feel in an interview where I'm like, I just want to be done with this. Cause I feel like I'm not going to be able to get through it. But in my day to day job, I know, I have to, right? Like I'm, I'm going to figure this out and you know, we got to get through it eventually. Um, but in a, in a timed interview setting, sometimes it's just like, uh, how much longer, like I only got five more minutes and probably not gonna be able to get through this. Right. And like, there's this pressure. Um, what I think has helped me more often or, or lately is trying to shift it from when I see a problem where I think like, there's no way I'm going to be able to solve this. What I try to mentally get myself to is okay, that's fine. Let's just see how far along we can get, right? If I can solve half the problem, cool. I, I learned how to do half this problem. And maybe they'll lead me a little bit more and I can solve three quarters of it or the whole thing, right? So trying to think, like you said, rather than just the, get the whole solution out, at least get something out, right? So I can, I can start making progress. And usually that leads to better results, right? Than just trying to figure it all out in my head at once. Yeah, I love that. And I think, again, that goes back to what I was speaking to earlier about the holistic. I think, again, I think people put a lot of undue pressure on themselves when they go into this technical interview, that the goal is to complete this and complete it with like super clean code and complete in the most perfect way. And really what the technical interview is just like seeing your process, right? Mm-hmm. right? So like, when you're, so again, like, so what you're saying, when you're on the job, you're going to have a situation where you don't know how to solve something, right? And that's really what these technical interviews are actually testing. They're not really testing your coding ability. They're, they're testing your ability that when you're in a tough situation and you don't know what to do, where do you rely on? Where do you go? What questions do you ask? How do you get out of that? Right. Hmm. And I think that in that kind of thinking that way also really helped me grow, not just in these interviews, but as an engineer, right. You know, as a junior engineer, I was just like focused on like completing the problem. And then as you grow, you kind of realize the complexity and all that. And then you realize that the code is actually, you know, once you start coding for a few years, you realize the coding is actually the easy part, right? Mm-hmm. The tough part is all the stuff in the beginning, trying to figure out the type of solution you're going to come up with, bringing out the type of approach you're going to go down. Once you're like in the middle of actual coding, it's like, okay, I forgot the syntax here. I forgot, you know, how to do a, a for loop, right? Then you just Google that, right? And it's fine. It's like everything before that, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. And that's really what these interviews are measuring, right? They're not measuring your code, right? That's why like a lot of these technical interviews, they don't care what coding language you use. 
right? Yeah. They just want you to be comfortable, but they also just want to stimulate a situation when you're stuck, right? Like that's the whole point of the interview is to try and not like get you like, not like have like tricks, but get you to a point where you're experiencing a situation where you're uncomfortable and like what you do in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, this is another connection. I'm, I'm thinking through the, the, the crux of the problem, right? Like in, in climbing, a lot of times there's, there's a certain spot, um, um, where like, this is the hard part of the climb, right? Like this is the spot where if you can get through this, the rest of it's going to be easier. Right. Then interviewing yeah. is often technical um, questions have the same type of idea, right? Where like this, it's easy up until a point, or maybe you have an idea where to start. Then there's some difficult piece. And then after that, you're just kind of returning a result or something like that. Right. And like, that's something I haven't necessarily thought about is, be prepared for that. Like you're going to hit that point where you go, ah, I got to figure this out. Right. But that's okay. That's, that's like you said, literally the goal, right. Is, is to see how you work through that or if you just explode or implode. Right. Right. It's also the best, just to, I love that. And to add on to that, the best technical interview questions have like a hundred different ways of being mm -hmm. solved. So again, it's like, try, it's less about like, again, trying to find the perfect solution, right. It's just sort of getting into it figuring out where that toughest point in the climb is and then working through that. Right. So that's yeah. why it's like, again, especially I would say, especially one thing I really struggled with as a junior engineer. And this is like one thing to remember when you're like interviewing for junior or mid-level role, you're not interviewing for a senior or a lead level role. Right. Sure. So when you're a junior engineer, you know, really you're going to have a problem that you're just going to get and no one's going to help you. Right. You're not going to get any advice on it. So it's like, again, like when I was younger in my career, I would struggle because I would be like, the solution I'm coming up with, I know is not the best. But that's like, again, now I realize that's fine. Like I had a way to just get into the, pro the problem. And then like, again, the interview will help you or you'll get into that hard part of the climb. And it's like, at least you like understand the solution you have instead of trying to think about this solution that is kind of like outside your expertise. Yeah, I love that. Um, in that same vein, do you have different advice or um, uh, other advice for early career engineers? For early career engineers? Yeah, I think, again, I think with early career engineers, especially for the ones just coming out of boot camp, but the ones with just a few years experience, again, like I would really focus, don't worry about solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Really like the technical interviews, just like the interviewees trying to understand where your skill set is what you're good at and what you're bad at, right? And I think that's key, right? Like as a junior mid-engineer, you're not gonna be good at everything. It's like totally fine. Um, so again, I think like, you know, if you get asked something and there's like a part of the problem you don't know, like say you don't know. Mm -hmm. Being on the other side, the worst thing an interview, an interview candidate can do is try and like BS their way through a problem or through a concept they don't understand. Like if you like, um, you know, there'll be like, uh, you know, there'll be like problems that are kind of like asking about like the time complexity of certain things. Like if you don't know that, just say you don't know that. That's like, that's totally fine most of the time, right? You know, if it isn't, they probably have given you preference or something and then you should have studied and practiced for it. Yeah. But most of the time, right, they're like, they didn't give you anything and they just like ask you something you don't know it, just say you don't know. Right? Mm -hmm. Like the worst thing you can do is try and bullshit your way through an answer. Yeah. Especially time complexity, right? If you say, uh, 20 minutes, right. <laughs> think you're, yeah. You're yeah. Exactly. Like if you're not even speaking the right language there, it's like, it's like, it, it, that's the part that looks bad, right? Like, 
as a junior mid-level engineer, it's like a lot of the times I think what companies are looking for is like, again, like when you don't know something, right? Like, again, like when you don't, like you'll get this question in behavioral and most people answer it correctly, right? Like, what do you do when you don't know something at your job? What do you do? You ask, you know, your friend, your, your, your coworker on Slack, you Google, you, you know, you take a second and try and like figure out the answer, right? So do that approach in an interview, right? Like, don't, like, if you don't know something, don't like, you wouldn't like try and like fake it, right? Like, you know, you would ask somebody, you would try and like get to the right answer. Use that approach in an interview. It's weird because like people always answer that question quickly in behavioral, then you'll see in the technical, but not like living it truly. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's scary, right? I think a lot of people are like, well, if I don't know this thing, they're not going to hire me. Right. And I think trying to shift, I think it's the hardest part is trying to shift mentally from, I have to nail every piece of this to get an offer to they're trying to evaluate my thought process. Right. And like literally not knowing something and being able to come to some type of solution or at least talk about how you come to a solution is half of, if not more than that of engineering, right. Of coding, right. It's like figuring out stuff you don't know. That's the job. Right. It's also think about that, right? Like as in a, think about a software engineer with one to two years experience, right. In the software engineering world, one to two years experience can mean a million different things. Yeah. So really the interview process is just trying to figure out what you have experienced in. So if you don't know something, it's fine, right? Like the, you know, if you're, especially if you're a young engineer, I would like encourage you to find a company that's going to like grow your skills, right? Help you learn more things. So it's like, it's okay to not know things. And like the interviewer just wants to like understand where you're at. Yeah. Great. Well, before we get into take a break here and then move into the, the technical portion, um, any interviewing horror stories from either side of the table you're, you're willing to share? Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of going again, those design ones are the ones that have really tripped me up. Um, so my first technical interview question ever was over the phone. It was a design interview. They asked me like essentially like the classic like elevator pro problem, right? Like how do you like design an elevator system? So this was my first technical interview ever, right? Like I, this was like, I was in the boot camp, So I think I was like pro practicing like these like project Euler problems. I was like reading everything about the company, doing all this knowledge about the company. The one thing I wasn't practicing was design interview questions or these more like broader questions. I didn't like take my own advice of like working with a buddy come com like come comfortable in that uncomfortable situation right and i just like i i like i think the interview lasted like five minutes because i just like froze was unable to speak didn't know how to go a step forward flash fo forward five years later i'm going for like a mid-senior role same question comes up this time it was in person i had like two people it was like a two person two two interviewees and myself That one I got a little bit further in, but I still like just like completely bombed that pro that problem. It was like a really bummer. I, I remember at like the end that interview process because I did. There was another like technical I did like really well, on, and I was like the recruiter like asked me how it went. I was like it went really well except for that one problem. I totally <laughs> bombed. Um, I hope that doesn't ruin my chances. Uh, which unfortunately I think it did, but um, yeah. So the, that elevator problem was still just like a complete horror show for me. <laughs> So takeaways is, you know, write down the questions you get and try to figure out some type of solution for them afterwards, right? Like that's the biggest thing I recognized um, when I was going to my technical interviews initially to get my first job was, I think I had a very similar story where someone asked me a question, I didn't know how to solve it. And then like the next week I got almost the exact same question yeah. asked and I went, 
I can't believe I didn't go and figure out how to solve this in the last week and a half or so, right? Where if I would have, I would have nailed that question the second time, right? And that, like you mentioned, like the elevator problem is probably something that most people listen to go, oh yeah, I've been asked that at some point, right? So figure out how to solve it, right? And then you can, yeah. usually people ask you that question and if they can tell you kind of have an idea of how to solve it, then they add some complexity to it, right? We're like, okay, now we'll, we'll what about this constraint or this constraint? And same thing with the kind of standard technical problems. So I don't know, there's, there's a lot, but just like try to write down the things you get asked and then then redo them. So you don't end up <laughs> in the same situation years apart. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that, that elevator one is definitely on YouTube. It's also the other thing. I think a big fault in my practice there was I was doing these project Euler problems. I was trying to like optimize the solution of those instead yeah. of optimizing my approach to these pro problems. Right. This is what we talked about a little bit earlier, thinking, trying to think about these fundamental approach type of concepts, as opposed to like trying to, you know, one thing I would not advise against is practicing the same problem over and over again. Mm. Right. I was just like, there's, again, there's a wealth of way to find problems out on the internet, right? Use those tools and keep trying to find yourself with new problems. Right. Cause most of the time in a technical interview, you're going to get a problem you've never seen before. Mm. And then you don't know, right? You don't know how to solve it. Then you have to rely on these more fundamental ways, right? So the, the best way to get better at that is just keep seeing problems you don't, you haven't solved. And then you can kind of start to kind of find patterns or kind of find ways to, you know, come up with a solution. Yeah, great. Uh, well, then let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and move into the technical portion. Sounds good. Thank you for watching the first half of the Professional Technical Interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode, so be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.